And now, it's time for the Shake and Blake Show live on Wildcat 91.9. I love it. Say it one more time. Shake and Blake! Does that feel good? Yeah. It rhymes. They're both verbs. Awesome. Blake Crawford. It's not very often that you have a National Player of the Year candidate wearing the purple and white. John Grove. It just felt like he could do nothing wrong with the ball in his hands. Bring you all things K-State sports and even more. And it's shaking big time. Welcome, everybody, into the Shake and Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove live here on Wildcat 91.9. My name is Blake Crawford. Alongside me, as always, is John Grove. How are you, John? Not bad. After after hearing what the weather situation, I mean, it's just Kansas. You, you don't know what you're going to get. You know you are. T- <laughs> it's it's Kansas, man. Well, we're not only joined by John and Grove. we got two special guests with us, the Aggieville Alleycats. we got Ace and Connor. How are you guys doing? Doing absolutely excellent. That's great. Great to hear. Well, I mean, thank you guys for coming on, letting us mooch off your significant clout. So, I mean. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know know about significant. I appreciate it. It's all relative. I mean, it's definitely all relative. Uh, I mean, we got a pretty good show lined up for you guys. We're going to talk about men's basketball, hit on some of the debut of the baseball team, talk a little women's basketball as well. I mean, John, we've been gone eight days. A lot's happened. Uh, I mean, Jawan Howard forgot the rules and threw a punch. A world war is broken out. Well, not world war, but a war is broken out as of right now. I mean, like I go, I go to Colorado for one weekend, and just like everything goes to chaos. I mean, oh my goodness. Yeah, I mean, it, you you missed out a lot. Maybe maybe you're you're better <laughs> off staying here. Of all yeah, I probably I should know. have. I mean, yeah. I that keeps the universe right. Apparently. <laughs> apparently, uh, just a few announcements. Make sure to follow the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're pretty much everywhere you can get your podcast. Follow us on Twitter. At uh, Shake and Blake three twelve, follow the Aggieville Alleycats if for some reason you're not already at Aggieville Acats. I think that's right. Okay, yep. and then uh, our personal social medias will be in the description of this episode if you're going to listen online. Uh, make sure to take our sports trivia quizzes on Sporkle.com. That's Sporkle.com, and then just look up K State Sports Trivia um, Round One or Two, and you should be able to get both of them. Uh, we were going to do Round Three this week, but there's too much to talk about. So, and I usually like, I, yeah, I like to you know spend some time on those. So I don't know what we'll do when we'll do it because I really don't want to do it on the online one because then I have to like edit all the sound effects and stuff and the music and that's really annoying so because uh next week what john you can't do next week right yeah i'm a little bit busy just okay. got some graphic stuff to work okay. on for k-state hd so we'll probably we'll probably do a sunday and thursday online one then maybe i'll just edit the thursday one put it up here live on friday because it'll only be 30 minutes because uh next week they're doing a live set and a concert for somebody I haven't been told who it is, so that's that how much power I have. And then the week after that, not to get too far ahead, March 11th, I will be gone because I have to work the Big 12 tournament. But, I mean, we'll kind of just play it by ear. That's why you should follow us on Twitter at ShakenBlake312. So, I mean, I guess we'll just, you know, you got to stay updated. So, I mean, before we get into men's basketball, I do want to ask uh, the Aggieville Alley Cats because I was going to plan to ask this at the end of the show, but I already know we're not going to get to that in time. So I just wanted to ask you guys kind of like how you guys started your podcast. How did this all come to be? I think I explained it once, so you can do it this time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Basically... Connor and I, he's been a lifelong K-State fan. I, my fandom really only begins in 2016. Uh-huh. I grew up an MU fan. You know, don't don't curse me, but if anything, <laughs> that, that just makes my disdain for KU all that much. much oh, my gosh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Connor and I have always, ever since I started coming here in 2019 is when I graduated. So 
yeah, ever since we've been here, we've always just made a habit of talking about K-State sports. So we said, hey, we're going to talk about this anyway. May as well just put a microphone in front yeah. of us. Yeah. So then we sat down, had the worst first episode ever, and had the... <laughs> oh, man. You think you had the worst first episode <laughs> yes. ever? It was two hours and 45 minutes long. Oh, my yeah. gosh. I had the opposite problem. The really? first episode I did here, I did solo. I had, like, 3,000 words on a notepad. I spent the entire week, I was like, oh, my gosh. And then I was, like, 10 minutes short, and I had to ramble for 10 minutes, and it was, <laughs> oh, my gosh. I wouldn't dare. You could not pay me a million dollars to listen to that last 10 minutes. Oh, my goodness. But, yeah, I mean, so, and then I wanted to ask you one more question about how kind of the show, do you think, has evolved over the 67 episodes, right? Yep, 67, 67 episodes. 67 episodes. Man. Content, yep, I mean. Yep. 67 episodes in eight months. Yeah. Eight months? Eight oh, months. I thought it would be like, I assumed, I was like, over a year. Eight months, that's a lot of content. Yeah. yeah. That's how you do it, I guess, you know. You just, just oversaturate the market. Yeah, just keep giving it yeah. to the people, and, like, eventually they'll be like, I mean, I guess. I guess I'll yeah. just listen to it. <laughs> if you're just going to keep throwing it my way, I mean, I guess. Yeah. All right, well, cool. Okay, uh, we don't want to talk too much about the Oklahoma State game. If you want to listen to it, uh, you know, the Aggieville Alleycats did a podcast that dropped this morning. They'll, they go over the stats and everything for that. I didn't get to watch the game because I was in Colorado, and I don't know if you guys have seen Matthew Loves Ball on YouTube. He uploads like 20-minute highlights of games instead of the Big 12 conferences, like three and a half minutes, and it goes like every basket. It's really good. Shout-outs to him. But, I mean, they didn't show the last minute when it was tied at 66-66. I'm just wondering what happened there. Because I heard – I know you guys talked about some sort of crappy inbound play. I thought I thought you were ta- I thought you were talking about in terms of a broadcast, like because – Oh, we no. We just got – because yeah. uh, I think during overtime – uh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw that on Twitter. Just, like, oh my gosh! Like, ESPN, what's going on here? And oh like, man, yeah. I totally forgot that happened. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, and then like for the last three and a half seconds, they didn't show what K State did after Oklahoma State hit the three. I was wondering how that went too. I mean, they really just left me asking a lot of questions. It was really annoying. On the highlights, at least that were on YouTube. Yeah, the, I, yeah, there just wasn't anything to go off of from the stream. Like, oh, at least really? I, That's, I mean, it was an ESPNU game, and those, yeah. at least recently, have been horrible for K-State. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think K-State played TCU on ESPNU. And that, and oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was, oh, my yeah. goodness. My yes. like blue. Yeah, I will say devil's advocate, I feel so bad for the ESPNU producer that probably gets paid really poorly. I had to try and color balance that on that court, but <laughs> yeah. still, they could have done a lot you better. You can do a lot better. Yeah, I mean, like, we have purple, too, and we still yeah. make it. I mean, it's obviously not, like, you know, with the weird scales and all that stuff, yeah. but we, we make it work. That's so, such a weird court. It is yeah. a weird court. Yeah. I think it's, like, it's like a lot of patterns on the outside. Yeah. yeah. Like, just got... I mean, if you want to have a better court, you just got to keep it clean and simple. Yeah. That's, that's about it. Don't yeah. need to go, like, all Oregon out on us. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, all the, the trees, trees and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Weird court. Yeah. Sometimes less is more. So, I mean, I guess the general takeaway from the Oklahoma State game is it's a winnable game that you'd really like to have with hindsight, given how the, it looks like it's going to play out with the tournament stuff. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's a really tough one. Obviously, there's a ton of games this season that have a ton of asterisks to them, but you don't want to, you know, spend too much time on it because, like, you just got to control what you can control and really move on and just keep forward. So, I'm um, going to go ahead and talk about the KU game. But first, John, John, you were in Allen Fieldhouse for that game, so I think you got to give us your experience of what the fog was like. Uh, as much as I hate KU, and I'll <laughs> and I'll say that every single day, 24/7, 365. <laughs> I mean, it, it was a great atmosphere. Uh, a lot, a lot of fans in the building. They were just. 
uh, whenever any shot was made by the likes of Christian Brom, uh, O'Shea Abaji, the fans just went absolutely insane. It's it's a terrific atmosphere, as 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 much as I hate to put it out to be. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at sixteen thousand three hundred fans in there, and I'm just like, I get serious FOMO for you know the numbers we see for K State games. I mean, it's just truly pitiful, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, especially that Valentine's Day game a few weeks ago, which granted I was not able to go either because I had uh, I had other plans. Yeah, but I mean, still, I mean, I think that like the actual true attendance for that, I've heard it was somewhere around three thousand for a Big Twelve conference game. Yeah, which is just horrid. I mean. I mean, I, I'm not trying to turn this into a Bruce versus Frank thing, but, I mean, like, the Frank Martin years, I mean, those were sellouts every single conference game. And, the, I mean, that's like 12,600-ish strong, like, every single game, no matter who we're playing. This year, unless, I mean, the only really true, truly great attended games have been Marquette and KU, and those still didn't even get over 10,000 tickets sold. Yeah, yeah, I mean, just, I mean, absolutely crazy. I mean, obviously, it's a combination of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I think I think the KU home game really, I'm sure people, there are a lot of people who stopped watching after that happened because yeah. that's just a real bummer. It's a game that most K-State fans will tune into, and to see a, a lead blown like that, it really is just like a, a true downer. I mean, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, we can go and talk about this KU game now. Let me frame it this way, okay? So if I told you you didn't watch this game, you go, "Hey Blake, how'd the game go?" I'm like, "Well, I mean, we doubled KU in offensive rebounding. Uh, we only got out rebounded by two. We won the turnover battle. We had five and double figures." And then you're like, "And you're like, wait, so I mean, the game went pretty well, right?" Well, I mean, we lost by 19. It's like, "Why'd you lose by 20?" I mean, and then you look at the F- KU field goal percentage, like, "Oh." Oh, yeah. really? Okay, yeah, you shoot 70% from three in the in the second half, and you 15 to 24. I mean, like, that's a pretty easy way to win a ball game, no matter, like, what yeah. you do on defense. Yeah. Holy cow. I can't remember the last time I saw a team shoot better from the field and from three than they did from the free throw line. And that's what KU did, because <laughs> yeah. they, they were 55% from the free throw line that game and shot above 60 in field goals and threes. <laughs> Because, like, at halftime, I'm like, okay, like, we stand a good chance because, like, even if we can't sustain this good offense because we had 43 in the first half, yeah, there's no way KU sustains this. And they totally did because we were just leaving them wide open. I mean, it was just – it took a while to set in that, like, we weren't actually playing well because we were doing so absurdly well offensively. Yeah. And then it set in that they're letting us do that, basically. Yeah. But – I mean, I got a few fast facts before we get John's opinion on this. So I believe uh, these could not be correct, but I'm pretty sure they are. It's the most points scored by uh, K-State in conference play since January 18th, 2020, when we scored 84 against West Virginia. It's the most points we've scored in the Sunflower Showdown since in 2017, also in Allen Fieldhouse, when we lost 90-88. to And the last time, I believe, this one's the, the like, I'm least confident about but the last time k-state had five and double figures in conference play i checked all the games that were like where it would be reasonable for us to get five and double figures i went back to february 23rd 2019 when we absolutely molly oklahoma state it was barry brown kamau stokes xavier sneed sean neal williams and austin trice and we won that game by like 40 or something and i mean to have five and double figures we're six and two now i believe yeah. well i guess it'd be six and three now but coming into the game we were six and two we had four and double figures you get five and double figures and you lose by 19 i mean it's just i mean obviously and then what i mean was the second most points scored by ku in the sunflower showdown um, I believe this is this the game where Nigel Pack um, set the record for most three pointers made by a sophomore. Yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure it was in that it was KU on, game. It was, so. the, it was on the first three pointer of the game. Yeah, as well. I yeah. mean, yeah, John, you can go ahead and give your thoughts about this game. 
I mean, I mean there's not really much much to say defensively. I mean, you can yeah. you can always say Coach Weber's teams has always they've been always uh, been able to hang their hat on tough man to man defense, but I mean it was just simply not fair. Uh, K State standards, especially considering the struggles of a post uh, of the post players, just I mean it was just not there either. Uh, I mean, for KU sakes, I mean I I don't know how many times I had to see it, but it was pretty much a drive kick and drive kick and pass uh, to the likes of O'Shea Baji. Jalen Wilson was getting hot compared to what it was in Bramlage. He did a lot better in this one. Uh, Christian Brown, he had a great game. Uh, what was it, 20 points and seven rebounds. Uh, he, he, he he had some great shots that uh, pretty much was uh, separated uh, the whole game entirely. So, I don't know. The offense, the offense had it had probably its best performance of the year considering you were playing a top five Kansas team but I mean just the defense was simply how much there was nothing K-State could do yeah that's what I was actually going to ask you guys is like is this our best offensive performance of the year and I really think it is it's probably this game the other KU game and then TCU probably were one and two in our top three best offensive games it's just that's not a recipe for success. You get to pick one. You get to pick offense or defense. Yeah. Apparently, we should be picking defense. <laughs> Which is very sad because those games are almost always more boring to watch than yeah. the offensive ones. But this team, like, they I, – I mean, I think it's telling that our two best uh, offensive games are against KU because Bill Self teams have never really been particularly great defensively. They're just elite offensively. And they're basically just, like, doing the basic math. We talked about this a lot on the podcast where – they're going to let you get the easy two, and they're going to stake their their bet on making the threes. And they did that at an unprecedented rate in this game. And it's, I, uh, we should have seen this coming. We should have adjusted to it. And Bruce just he refused to adjust. Really, I think because I mean it was it was smacking him right in the face. Like you're overhelping on defense. They're kicking out every single time. It's gonna happen. You know, do something. I mean, if you're giving up 15 threes, you're going to have to uh, fight uphill. Uh, Kansas averaged 1.29 points per possession and Jeez. scored Oof. the bulk of its points shortly after bringing the ball across midcourt. I mean, the Jacks just got in rhythm uh, uh, and found no need to uh, run sad plays or flirt with the shot clock violation at all. It was just, it, it was just easy work for for the Jayhawk offense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the pace of play was just like it's not a it's not what Bruce Weber would want. You know, I mean, no. defense has been a staple of the Bruce Weber era, and it's really what you know. Like our twenty, I think our Big Twelve championship team had the fourth best defense in the entire country on points per game or points allowed per game. I mean, but uh, one other note I do want to make is I think in the second half when you're down by you know KU is as hot as can be, you're down by fifteen to twenty against a rival at an away game. I think you really see the true colors of some of the uh, some of the case state players come out and I think Marquise Noel like really I think hero ball is probably the ideal word to use for some of his play in the second half I mean I have a lot of respect for the swagger he plays I think some of the show stuff he did you know was really fun you know when he hit that corner I think it was in the first half he hit the corner three and did the turnaround to talk to the KU bench I mean that's obviously a lot of fun but I think you know I think I think they just tried to get 15 points in one possession which if you're not familiar with basketball is impossible so I mean, and I think, and I, th- I mean, obviously, one other thing to bring up as well is that Nigel Pack 
when he came down, he grabbed his knee. I was like, y'all cannot do this to my boy. Like, I was about yeah. to be so mad at KU if he, like, tore his ACL yeah, or something. Of course it was on a Mitch Lightfoot pick, Oh my, of, of, course. of course. Of course it was Mitch. Of course. The, the dinosaur himself who's been there for, like, eight years. I he's just been, gra- He's been there longer than the iPhone 1. <laughs> yeah. Does, can, yeah. Can he find another way to come back? Yeah. <laughs> can he just graduate? All right, I'm tired of seeing him. Can he get a doctorate or, or a second degree? Yeah, maybe so. He has, like, a additional COVID special I'm, year. I mean, if you think Skylar Thompson was at K State for this long, oh, just get just wait till Man. Mitch Lightfoot. You hear all yeah. the discussions about him. It, it feels as if he always plays his best game at home against K State. Yeah, it does. Um, and I, well, I th- I'm pretty sure part of that is just with a lack of depth at the at the fifth spot. And I mean, he was taking it, every advantage he got on Bradford and Eziagu. They just like simply yeah. outmatched uh, when it came to. Just really getting uh, out dominated. Yeah, pain. getting outmatched by Mitch Lightfoot is simply embarrassing. That, that's the just and the only reason we could hold McCormick, I think, is because Bradford just matches up with him well size wise. But yeah. Lightfoot's a little quicker than Brad than uh, Bradford. Uh, Easy Aku just can't move laterally, so he can't defend him. And Lingard isn't big enough to guard someone as strong as Lightfoot. So I mean, we just don't have a big that can guard him, and that's really depressing. Yeah, it was just a terrible combination, and I mean. It's just every matchup we have at K-State, when they have a huge big, you're just like, oh, boy. Like, it's, yeah. it's going to be tough. And it was pretty tough to go to that small ball lineup when we had Ish at the five. They kept feeding it to Lightfoot, and he was just – I mean, he was giving it to Masood. I mean, he was stronger than him. Yep. They really made it tough. I mean – you know, maybe you could have just kept it in, you know, the way they were shooting from three. I mean, you'll take Mitch Lightfoot jump hooks all day if KU's going to shoot yep. 65% from three. Yeah, I'm, it probably would have been better. All, all I can think about is that this team, honestly, like we're probably solidly in the tournament if, funnily enough, I think if they have McCall Mayween, I think this is a team that's in the tournament, <laughs> which if you told me that like three years ago, I would have laughed in your face because he was just the bane <laughs> of my existence at times, like with his inability to I'm, catch an entry pass. That's true. I mean, he could hit a 15-footer kind of sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I He was more reliable offensively than any big that we have on this team, which yeah. is saying – Something. I don't know if it's good or bad, but it's something. No, it's, it's bad. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's going to be a weird off season going into the next season, seeing how. I mean, we're going to keep a close eye on these bigs because I think we're see, we expect a lot of improvement. I think expectations coming into the season were high for Bradford based on yeah. how he played against Baylor in that tournament game, yeah. and then it was just one thing at another, and it's just like all three of them. Obviously, you know, Carlton Lingard has some. You know, I think some pretty valid excuses, you know, not really getting much time to practice in the summer and really getting into it. I think the talent is there. He's just got to put it together. And I think another a solid, a full offseason, I think, could possibly get him there. I mean, I don't know if we'll, it will still shoot threes. He shot that one three. I don't remember what game it was. He shot a three. It was just like immediately they threw in Davion. He was like, nope. Oh, my gosh. Well, there's only three games left. I wanted to ask you guys about Nigel Pack's chances for first team all Big 12. Fran Fraschilla brought it up during the broadcast. I was wondering, uh, get your guys' thoughts on, Do you, I mean, do we really think Nigel Pack can make first team all Big 12? I think he's got the numbers and the talent. It's just I think the guys you compare him to he's in close yeah. contention with are on winning teams. And yeah. I think that's really what would give those other guys the edge. I think, well, yeah, I think I think you mentioned it right there. You just got to have uh, the entire team uh, pretty much do him alone. I mean, Nigel Pack, for the most part, he's done almost anything you could ask for as a point guard for K-State. Uh, it's just when push comes to shove, you'll, you'll have to probably side with the one who's uh, – who's, uh, I'm trying to put it uh, in the best of words, uh, just being on the better team in general. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it usually goes to the you know the best player on the best team, you know. And I mean, I, what I wrote down, I think who for sure I had. Yeah, Christian Brown, Abaji are probably locks. Isaiah Brockington, yep. um, what uh, Flagler from Baylor, and then Nigel Flagler, Peck, yeah. Bryson Williams from Texas Tech. Those are kind of the six guys that are in there. And it's I don't know, mm-hmm. it's tough to find yeah. somebody to kick out yeah. for Nigel Pack. Do they take five or six guys? I think they take. I think it's a starting five. Okay, starting then. Five. I, I feel like it's I, I just don't think he can be Nigel unfortunately because yeah. I think it's gonna I think like I think you're right Abaji and Brown are locks I think any Baylor guard is a lock you can literally just plug and play a yeah. Baylor guard there like one Akinjo Flagler Pryor yeah. whoever it, they're all the same they're all good <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah really yeah. then Brockington despite Iowa State struggles because he's been incredible he is Iowa State right now yeah, yeah. and then Bryson Williams because he's just come out of absolutely nowhere yeah I mean absolutely Nigel Pack is the very close uh, yeah. six man I think. do they do three all big 12 teams or two they, I, I think, think they do two and then they got an honorable, honorable mention honorable mention, honorable mention okay. I think is anyone that gets a vote so okay. I, th- I think I was trying to think if like Mark Smith or Marquis Noel would be able to make second maybe honorable mention for I mean Mark did probably, get, I, I, I think probably, Mark could get second I think yeah, so I, yeah I, I, yeah yeah I, what what you guys say? Yeah, I'm, so we can go ahead and talk about it a little bit. If we don't have any thoughts about the KU game, just to get into um, a huge game tomorrow against Iowa State, 1 p.m. I mean, Iowa State is coming off of three straight wins. Isaiah Brockington, you mentioned, is the entire team coming off the game of his life against West Virginia. 35 points for him. I mean, but I mean, the way we played against Iowa State, if we don't go down 13 nothing to start the game, I mean, you kind of like our chances. <laughs> Given what happened last time, I don't know. We ended up winning when we were down thirteen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so we'll just smoke them if we're you know <laughs> yeah. 10, 10, 10 minutes. Just I mean, yeah. feeling real good. As long as Iowa State doesn't spot start some random guy that we've never heard of in our <laughs> life who just will get thirteen yeah. points in two minutes, then we stand a good shot. Hey, I think I think first eleven points, uh, first eleven out of thirteen points. Yeah, were by Jazz Coons for they Iowa were. State. Yeah. They were. He was just raining threes on us, and we were shocked. Yeah. I <laughs> mean, that that was just. Head scratching, mind boggling, hair raising. That's that's all I could say about that. But. Unexpected, yeah, and we didn't even get to see it either. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, oh, oh, ESPNU, Davidson, Rhode Island, in overtime. <laughs> that the last five seconds of that game lasted forever. Oh my like. gosh, <laughs> the eternal. It, maybe it feels like that's the case now these days. Yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe it's better that we didn't get to watch it. I mean, but not only is this game a must win for tournament implications. I think if you want to avoid, you know, get a buy in the Big Twelve tournament, you need to win this game as well. I mean, t- what K State is, uh, I believe, tied for sixth right now there's a three-way tie k-state iowa state and oklahoma state all at six and nine tcu is six and eight but i mean they've got a brutal, schedule. A brutal schedule texas oh, tech yeah. at home ku they ku back to back yeah <laughs> they, they were it That's was brutal it was ku it was ku like uh, earlier but tcu had a lot of covid yeah that problems, so. lost some games so yeah they get to go to they get ku at home and then two days later they go at <laughs> ku which i i do not envy jamie dixon yeah that's <laughs> brutal so i mean i it'd be really tough for them to be in contention for that you know six seed i mean they're probably they'll they you could probably give them at west virginia for a win maybe but who knows it's the big 12 so seven and 11 but i mean iowa state is right there they have a better record than us obviously and you know if we split the series that would give them the tiebreaker so i mean if you want to get a six seed five seed you really need to win this game to have a shot especially when we really you know even if we win these two games at home and drop Texas Tech on the road we're still praying I mean we're still really praying for you know we're still we'd probably still be you know first four out to be lucky honestly yeah I mean if you were to tell me Iowa State was going to be in tournament contention last season I'm like well this season if you were to tell me that last year I would say 
They're two and twenty-two. I mean, you, you need, you need <laughs> yeah. medical help or anything. <laughs> uh, I mean, the Cyclones are building some credibility when it comes to the NCAA tournament. They have eight quad one wins, uh, and they had a twelve and zero start to the season. Uh, but Iowa State has reinforced that by uh, by winning its last three games and putting itself in a position uh, to win twenty games under first-year head coach uh, T.J. Altsberger, who I. I'd say he's he's done some great things for Iowa State. Uh, one of the former coaches uh, under Fred Hoiberg when he was uh, running the Cyclone program. The fact that Iowa State has won two of the, of, of those last three games by a three point field goal just shows some mature uh, maturation uh, on the team's part. Yeah, I mean it really does. So, and then obviously we need to talk about the possibility. It seems less and less likely as the days go by yeah. of adding an extra game. But it, I think it, it, it's, it'd be really tough to fit in based on everybody's schedules. I mean, BYU is the biggest contender. I think I heard North Texas somewhere on Twitter too, but it just it doesn't really seem that possible. Yeah, yeah. I all the smoke around it right now is basically that it's just not going to work uh, for K State and BYU, and it's it's entirely because I think there's a women's game at home the yeah. same day. Yeah. There's a six thirty women's game that Wednesday that we would be trying to schedule. So people were trying to make it seem like. Maybe that next Monday would work. That March fifth. Yeah, but I, I think, think so. I think yeah. the maybe I think conference the tournament seven. starts for BYU. Yeah, Somewhere West Coast conference tournament I think is next week. Yeah. So and and you can't you can't obviously play games during your conference tournament, and then you can't play any when your conference tournament's done. Yep. So. I mean, even if you did getting from Manhattan, Kansas to I think Las Vegas, where they play the conference tournament, it's not it's not the easiest uh, way to travel for these guys. I mean. I mean, it's just not an easy schedule to get pull things yeah. around and all. Yeah. And then you also have to try and find a team that lost a COVID game at some point as well in non-conference, and that trims the list like pretty significantly. Because yeah. you know you'd like love to look at a team like St. Louis, but they uh, they play the full schedule, so they don't have any availability because you can't add any games if you've already played your full allotment. So it's probably not happening for K State. I was kind of hoping it would happen. BYU is a fun opponent, being a future conference opponent. And being a, a fellow bubble team, yeah. so there's there's a lot of like fun storylines going in there. It's like like a no holds barred, you know, like like one last shot you know, game. Why are you describing it like it's a WWE match? Because that's probably what it would turn into. Because those are those are He's two. Because yeah, I mean, oh, wait, no, wait, yeah. we're not KU. Hang on. Yeah, yeah, those are. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a that's a bar stool if you want to be yeah. specific about yeah. it. Yeah, those would be two of the most desperate teams in the country, right there, playing in Bramlage, K State, and BYU. So I'd I'd love to see some of the things that uh, would uh, go in that game. Probably get pretty emotional pretty quick. The, B, the BYU game, especially, could have been really helpful for K State. I mean, from looking at some of these bracketologies, I mean, Jerry Palm out of CBS, he has BYU as an 11 seed in the play-in game in Dayton. Uh, Lenardi, I think he has BYU in his third team out, and um, the Athletic has BYU as their first team out. So, I mean, it would have been a bubble bu- uh, bubble breaker for e- bubble burster for uh, either teams. But if you were to tell me uh, how big K State's win over BYU would come, it'd be a long ways in terms of uh, just pretty much stamping potentially uh, a trip to Dayton, most likely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, looking at K-State's resume, I mean, the thing that sticks out is the quad one wins. We have four quad one wins, which is, I mean, of the teams, the 25 teams that are in the bubble, 
from a, a great graph done by KSU fan who always does great stuff. But we're four and ten against quad one teams, and we have the fourth hardest strength of schedule, which is also a big plus for us. But I mean, just the record being like borderline five hundred really doesn't help. Obviously, I think WSU got bumped down to a quad two win, which really doesn't help either. You don't. Yeah. You don't have the amount of. Um, you, the, the reason why K State mainly is considered based on their schedule is the Big Twelve play. I mean. A lot of people have mentioned it already. The Big 12 is the best conference when it comes to basketball. Uh, but the non-conference, uh, non-conference opponents for K-State just simply wasn't there. And taking a loss to Ole Miss of all teams just won't, yeah. help, won't, just won't do you any favors yeah. either. It's tough to feel bad for this team at times. Uh, I mean, like you feel bad for the players, of course. But it's also it's it's tough to truly be like, oh, you know, this team really should be in. Because they have had opportunity upon opportunity to help themselves with the season and just close loss after close loss after close I mean the Marquette game just burns you hard because they're they're a top 15 team right now I think and you know you lose that game by one you barely lose to OU you have a lead on Texas at halftime at home you got into single digits as well against Arkansas it was just the slow yeah I mean what you blow a 16 point lead against West Virginia which really hurts now 17 yeah Yeah, which looks even worse now the final minute against TCU I mean the the list goes on and on just heartbreaker after heartbreaker yeah, it's it's a really tough one to think, you know, five years from now, thinking about this team, we're not going to remember any of this, and, you know, who knows what happens with Weber, and it might just be, you know, we might not remember that this team was actually, I mean, not terrible. But, I mean, something I do want to bring up is the fact that, I mean, this te- team's tournament chances are looking pretty dire. And Nigel Pack will be going into his junior year without having made the NCAA tournament, and I think that would be, I mean, just like a, a real travesty. Yeah, Here. yeah. A lot, a lot of missed opportunities there. Yeah, a lot of a lot of career performances uh, wasted. I think he had a pretty he had a pretty good well the KU game where he scored thirty five. It was it was one of the greatest games in a in a long time. I think dating back to Jacob Poland. That, uh, that's a performance that it was so reminiscent of uh, at the time. Yeah, yeah, it was just just some of those moments where it's just wasted. You want to you want to have back uh, as a win, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, it would. I mean, you know, thinking of this year, I mean, I think the best case scenario you can think of is you're thinking of like the 2008 2009 team that barely misses the tournament, goes to the NIT, they come in the offseason hungry, and then obviously, you know, Jacob and Denny Clemente kind of figure it out, and you come back in a 2009 season where you're hitting it real hard, you make the Elite Eight, and you're almost in the Final Four. But I mean, that maybe that's a little optimistic, but this team is still kind of young. And I mean, we're going to lose Mark Smith, which obviously really going to suck devastating loss yeah that's really going to hurt how are we going to rebound the ball how are we going to rebound oh my god it is just um insane that he is the best rebounder that k-state's had since michael beasley and yeah. it's really not even close either which yeah. i mean granted michael beasley was a freak of nature i mean he averaged 12.6 rebounds a game but, but mark smith being six foot four and leading the conference in rebounding is just it's just mind-boggling i think he'd be the shortest player to ever lead a power five conference in rebounding or maybe i'd imagine <laughs> yeah it wouldn't that'd be that'd be a pretty good i think that's yeah. right yeah, yeah it's it's a weird combination of a guy who's like an athletic freak like mark smith and just <laughs> the bigs that can't rebound so he's yeah. got to get in there and <laughs> the do it himself <laughs> i mean unless you just put russell westbrook back in college or something and he would... <laughs> <laughs> he might need that at this point so. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> oh man Right. I mean, do you guys have any other thoughts on the basketball team before we uh, hear from Tanner to on some baseball and women's basketball? Uh, it's just going to be a big game. Uh, it's, oh, of course, It's yeah. pretty much a go yeah. big, go home type of situation. I, I always put it on Twitter. It's the type of mar- 
March Madness feeling where if you lose, there's going to be a lot of disappointment right afterwards. If you win, your season still remains alive. So. Yeah. Must yeah. must win game. Must win game. Yeah, make Water sure to stake. Yeah, come out to Bramlage, you know, tomorrow. So if you're not coming out, make sure to listen on Wildcat 919 because me and uh, Anthony George will be calling the game. So that should be a lot of fun. But uh, let's go ahead and take a word to hear from Tanner's, and we'll come back and talk about the debut of the baseball team. Some women's basketball here on the Shake and Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove alongside special guests, the Aggieville Alley Cats, live on Wildcat 919. And we're back on the Shake and Blake Show live on Wildcat 91.9. My name is Blake Crawford alongside John Grove and Ace and Connor of the Aggieville Alleycats. We just hit on some men's basketball, which was quite depressing. But, you know, what's even more depressing is seeing the baseball team. Uh, well, I mean, I guess we got to listen to the baseball team because what even is flow baseball? Uh, no one knows. $35? No, thank you. Um, <laughs> pyramid scheme. No, thank you. But, uh, I mean, the, the baseball team kicked off their season against some really, really tough opponents. Arizona, Michigan, Auburn. I mean, these are all, like, pretty – I mean, Arizona went to Omaha. And, I mean, somehow we I guess we put up the best fight against them. But we lost all three games, sadly, what, 8-6, 10-2, 12-1. The Auburn yeah. game just really blew wide open for sure. I mean – it's tough. I, I, I'll say this. Panicking after three games of a baseball season is never a good idea, especially considering that two of the three teams uh, were in uh, recent uh, College World Series uh, for the most part. But it does feel like K-State may have missed on a lot of opportunities to really bump their stock last weekend. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would have gone a long way. Yeah, I mean, it's a good way to, you know, I mean, you're just right into the thick of things. It's kind of a trial by fire, a barometer, a way to, you know, kind of like see where you're at. I mean, I think, you know, what a few of the positives, I mean, McConnell McCullough obviously getting him back this year and having a really strong outing was really helpful. Um, Dominic Johnson had a really good, pretty good three games as well. I mean, to see Dylan Phillips go two of 13 really doesn't help things. Uh, I managed to catch uh, the first, like, four innings, I think, of the Arizona game. A lot of guys left on base. I mean, against a really good team like Arizona, you've got to capitalize when you get runners in scoring position. I mean, it's just – it's really kind of come back to bite you. Yeah. I think I think besides a great first outing by the freshman at Tyson Neighbors on Friday afternoon yeah. against Arizona, uh, the bullpen was extremely underwe- underwhelming the entire weekend – with a combined ERA of 14.85. It was about about as bad as it looks. Um in 13 uh in 13 innings the bullpen gave it uh gave up 22 uh, earned runs. Uh they did tally 28 strikeouts but walked 14 players. Uh that must be tuned up in a big way if K-State wants to win out on a night uh night in night out basis. Yeah, I mean you're going to get the chance to kind of, you know, clean up your act against some, you know, some Cali opponents that you should be able to sweep and, you know, get some solid run, you know, uh, run from. So, I mean, hopefully, you know, have good things to say after all that stuff happens. Yeah, it was very frustrating to listen to because, I mean, there's just inning after inning, especially against Arizona, uh, runners on base, runners in scoring position, and strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. It was especially disappointing from Dylan Phillips. I mean, granted, in that game, he did have a home – he had a home run ball that in Toynton was way out, and – was probably at a, about a foot, maybe two feet short in uh, uh, Arlington. So it's it's really unfortunate. But, yeah, Phillips had a really rough weekend. He was trying to play hero ball, I think, a lot because he was, he was in a lot of situations to completely change the game. And I think that uh, just got to him maybe a little bit too much. He was trying to put a little bit too much on his shoulders, which, you know, is unfortunate. But, like, I, I'm not – 
ready to panic about this team because I think it's a really talented team. They have more newcomers than they have uh, returning players, and I'm 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 excited for what they have in the future. I think overall it's just fixing the rotations in terms of the coaching staff. It's just like seeing what's there uh, to work with. Uh, what what are some of the stuff to fix as well? I, I think having your starters pitch uh, starting pitchers work deep uh, into games early in the season is often a double edged sword. Uh, on one hand, having them work uh, too deep into games, risk injuries, uh, and runs the risk of not getting the younger arms experience to have uh, success and build confidence. Uh, on the other hand, if the starters look sharp, leaving them in a uh, can shorten uh, a game and provide an outstanding chance to win, for sure. This is the case when Colin, Connor McCullough uh uh, am I pronouncing that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Uh, through five shutout innings against Michigan, uh, instead of leaving him and uh, pushing uh, his pitch count, uh, Pete Hughes decided to go to his bullpen, which ultimately ended up wasting McCullough's, uh, McCullough's uh, excellent start. So, just a lot of uh, just a lot of. Uh, rotation stuff to fix here and there so yeah I mean there's plenty of experimentation to be done I think with all these new faces as well I mean you know you did get a uh, pretty good performance out of some new guys you know Cash Rugley, which by the way Cash Rugley, I mean like yeah if you're not playing baseball is Cash Rugley like or like a country singer yeah like what are you doing those are your two choices as a, yeah. as a career I mean but... maybe maybe a WWE wrestler or something True. like that I don't know you wouldn't even need to have a fake name you just be Cash Rugley. <laughs> That's you the just, second WWE. And then you just uh, start Oh, we're about to get being, a third one, too, later. So. Oh, boy. <laughs> and you just start off as a WWE theme, just like the money, like the cha-ching noise. Oh, yeah. Do you guys actually watch WWE at I all? I did when I was younger. You know Shane McMahon's theme? Shane Here yeah, comes right. the money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Money, money. Dollar, dollar. Uh, okay. Something that I wanted to mention was one of the other newcomers that I feel like when went really underrated was Kalen Culpepper. In the oh, yeah. Nine hole. He didn't have this ridiculous performance, which he's the nine-hole hitter. You don't really expect him to. But he got hits when we needed him to, except mm-hmm. for the times when he didn't. But he also, notably, didn't have any errors, which defensive errors are something that I think Nick Goodwin had two on the series and two outfielders. They're both escaping my names. Each had, Dylan Phillips had one, and then another right fielder didn't get credited with one. But he probably should have because it was a really easy ball to catch. So yeah, that was a uh, Cole Johnson. I think he ended up giving up two runs. They didn't credit it as an error, but based wow. on the radio play, I mean, he just totally misjudged a fly ball and let two runs come in. So hmm. yeah. I mean, yeah, four errors in three games, two in the you know two errors each in the first two games is not really going to cut it. I mean, it's a matter of maybe you you don't want to expect it early on, but I mean, you know, there's no need to panic. There's still a ton of baseball left. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. you know they still got a few weeks of games, plenty of time to build up. You know, get this team going before conference play starts. Uh, you guys got any other thoughts before we uh, take another quick break? Uh, we had like an absurd amount of uh, hit by pitches thrown. By oh, us yeah. oh yeah, I think, I think it was the <laughs> second I'm game curious. we threw. We hit, we hit eight batters. I think. Yeah. <laughs> It's the most I've ever oh my seen gosh. in a baseball game, and I don't think they they were intentional either. So we just got like to like you're like you're in like a little league game or something. Yeah. That's exactly that's exactly what I thought. Yeah, uh, well, I I think playing a, a team like Cal State Bakersfield, I think while K State has had some struggles in the past, like facing the likes of Cal State Fullerton, San Diego State, uh, some of us schools, uh, I think. I think K-State, I think finding a way to get back on track it could go a long way towards the team's confidence. Be, being a, being in what Pete Hughes calls a goldfish should benefit 
K-State greatly this weekend in Bakersfield for sure. Yeah, what they're playing in a, like an hour and 15 minutes. They're I playing at so. 8, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, 8 o'clock. You know but Brian Smaller's there? Uh, no, Mitch Fortner's there. Okay, I was wondering because like, <laughs> of women's basketball and then also like they're being there for like a while. I was wondering if like he would just – he's just like taking a little vacation in Cali. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, if we don't have any other thoughts, we can go ahead and uh, take a quick break to hear from Tanners, and then we'll spend the last 15 minutes talking about the women's basketball team here on the uh, Shake and Blake Show live on Wildcat 99 with Blake Crawford and John Grove alongside special guests, the Aggieville Alleycats. And we're back on the Shake and Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove alongside special guests, the Aggieville Alleycats live on Wildcat 91.9. We're here to talk about the women's basketball team now, winning a loss. Uh, I didn't get to watch the the win against uh, Oklahoma State Seemed like a pretty interesting game. What, like six points scored by Oklahoma State in the first half? Yep. yep. I mean, solid defense. <laughs> I made I made this interesting stat on Twitter. If K-State yeah. held Oklahoma State to less than 15 points, it would have been the fewest points allowed since, I think, Washburn back in 1972. Wow. Uh, so, that's I, I, just a random stat that came up to my mind. But uh, just kind of contain them at, a little bit in the third quarter, but nonetheless, uh, it was an it was a much better performance compared to what we've seen uh, over the past few games. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm surprised you can only only go back to 1972. I thought you'd go back to one of those like pre shot clock era games where it's like you know 20 to 19 for the entire game or <laughs> something is, like that. This is where he finds the sporical questions. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> I just go through college basketball reference and think of like the weirdest things possible. Oh, we all do. That's that's what that's what journalists. Oh, it's a, yeah, it's true. It's true. It's journalism at its finest. That's right. Think to myself, which running back has the most passing yards at Casey? <laughs> that's true journalism right there. Well, I mean, if we don't have any thoughts, we could go ahead and move on to the Texas game, which happened on Wednesday at home. It was a whiteout. It was kind of a weird game. It was like super duper physical. I mean, you guys Very mentioned successful. it that you know you get down early in the first quarter, twenty to nine. You go even the rest of the way, and it just you didn't really have that extra punch to um, you know really get back in it. Um, you know, Serena Sundell was sixteen points. I think she only had three assists, which you'd like to you know. I mean, she's played the entire game, so obviously she had a really good game. But obviously, the thing that really sticks out: Aoka Lee three and nine with ten points. I mean, you know, I think you got to get more shots. Yeah, you do. But the the biggest problem with that was. We're not used to seeing teams that have anyone who can remotely match up to Ioka Lee without fouling every single time. And Texas still aren't those people, but they just didn't get called for those fouls. But they still ha- they were double-teaming her in just under the bucket every single play, every single possession, I should say. I still get mixed up with football terminology because that's my <laughs> sport. But yeah, it just... The refs let them bully Yoki. There's nothing really you can do about that, especially when just you're going to have games like that. And Jeff Mitty had comments after the game, which oh, mad I mean, respect for you. I mean, should we hear those comments? Yes, I do have them right. Let's should. go ahead and hear yes, those comments should. from Jeff Mitty talking about um, not enough shots for Aoka Lee, plus uh, a tiny little comment about the refs. She didn't get enough touches. I mean, we're, we couldn't run. We couldn't run offense. Uh, that, that, that's part of being able to run offense under duress and get the ball moved. But they're they're certainly physical with her. You know, if, if it's going to be a wrestling match, and, and I get tired of having this conversation with officials. If it's going to be a wrestling match, and that's what you want to officiate, and it wants to be WWF, then this is a great game to to watch, right? Um, but I mean, one foul on Ebo, really? Is that the number? Am I looking at that right? 
Don't get me started on that. <laughs> Don't get me started on that. That's a joke. It's a joke for our game. But anyways. That's Jeff peak Jeff Mitty right there. <laughs> He's right. He, he He's is. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. <laughs> a third WWE yeah. reference. <laughs> I think that might be the fourth. Oh my, is it the fourth? That might be the fourth. Oh my god. We hit your quota I, for the next like month. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, okay, the thing that mainly sticks out to me, looking at these last four games, I mean, 50-51, 56-51, the offensive production has not really been there. I think part of it is because, I mean, you know, Texas has Lauren Ebo. You look at KU, they have Tayana Jackson. Um, I mean, you know, you win the game against Oklahoma State, but it's it's a decent game from Aoka Lee. And Baylor's got some really solid, you know, people to take care of Aoka Lee. I think it's just like they're going to – people are just taking the stance of, like, we're not. We're just gonna triple team her in the paint, and like you know, if Emily, if we're gonna give Emily Ebert three feet of space, if she wants to shoot a three, same thing with Laura Mackey. If she wants to third, like go ahead, like we'll take that math, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're daring this team to shoot, which had been, uh, they'd been a decent shooting team in the past, but a lot of that was because it was before teams figured out how to guard Yoki. Yeah, and so they were taking a smaller volume of threes, but they were, I mean, in rhythm threes. The offense was clicking. A lot of it has been trying to get the offense into a rhythm now uh, with these threes, and it's just been absolutely abysmal shooting the last couple of weeks for this team, which is unfortunate because this team does have shooters. Uh, they had the Glenn Twins, Serena Sundell had had some moments. Even Emily Ebert isn't the worst shooter in the world at times, and it, it's just been awful the last few last few games, especially as teams have now uh, switched to the strategy of effectively just fouling Aoka Lee every time that she gets the ball in the post uh, on the few times that she does and just rotating in post players the entire game just to use up their fouls and spread them out. The disposable body strategy. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I like that, like, uh, yeah. like you're going up against Shaq or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but they're just doing a lot better at uh, um, post-pass denial. And yeah. they're, they're just denying the entry pass, and we're settling for threes. It seems like we're finally starting to get away from that a little bit. And we've really started to nail it into their into the heads of the guards that like we really should not be just taking threes because that's what teams want us to do. Yeah, I mean, only take eleven threes, you make two of them. Obviously, it's a you know it's better than one of twenty two. Yeah. So I mean, it's kind of a step in the right direction. You know, there were moments in this game where you start to get back in it, but I mean, I think that physical play really wore us down. It was just it just wasn't enough to quite get there. Well, when you're down twenty one in terms of sh- a shooting percentage, that's a huge problem. Uh, as always, the offensive rebounding wasn't a huge problem. Uh, actually, no, but I took that back. I was, <laughs> I was reading my notes. I was reading my notes wrong. Uh, it, it was a big problem. Uh, and the pressure while the turnovers w- uh, weren't horrible, uh, the fact that we couldn't get into the offense as well, we'd like uh, and play under well uh, and play well under dr- duress. Um, uh, where the turnovers reared its head uh, is when we had the chance, and when we cut the lead, uh, then we had a lot of turnovers and transi- transition. Uh, I think K-State closed it, closed within four in the fourth quarter, uh, and then Texas responded with a 9-0 run to help K-State without a field goal uh, for nine minutes to seal the win. So just a, just a lot of miscuses on, on, on K-State's part. The Longhorns uh, out-rebounded the Wildcats. 41-29, 19 offensive boards uh, that led to a 16-8 advantage and second chance points. Texas forced K-State into 15 turnovers, uh, which I which back to the miscuses that K-State had, uh, which resulted in a 16-2 edge and uh, points off turnovers. So, 
just all around not a, not the prettiest offensive performance we've seen from this team. Yeah, I mean, I mean, one thing to mention. I know they brought this up on the radio broadcast. Is you know they had Roy Harmon, who's five six, I believe, on Serena Sundell, who's six one. And I mean, you know, Serena Sundell drove one time, and the color commentator just like, you got to keep doing that. You know, if you're gonna if they're gonna put Roy Harmon on you when you have such a size advantage like that, I think you really need to keep taking advantage. But I mean, she had a good game, but I just it wasn't quite enough. I mean, I don't really know what the solution is because you, you can't just be like, you know, get Yoki the ball more when there's like, you know, it's almost impossible to feed her in the paint when you see all this, you know, all, all these bodies in there. But the thing is, when you're going up against Oklahoma State, who will have a game plan for Aoka Lee, they better. But the thing is, like, you know, the Oklahoma uh, head coach mentioned it after she scored 61. It's like they just didn't have size. They still don't have size. It's not like they got any taller since the last game. But, I mean, you can throw all these bodies, but she'll still have the size advantage. So I expect her to have a good game. Obviously, it's going to be a tough game on the road against a really solid Oklahoma team. Um, in terms of the Big 12 tournament standings, it's, it wouldn't change too much in win or a loss. I mean, we're pretty solidly in sixth place right now. Um, KU's above us at 10-5. and five. West Virginia's below us at 5-10, and 10, and we're 8-7. and seven. So it would be pretty tough for us to move up or down in the standings. But obviously, you're just looking to get a better seed in the tournament right now. Uh, and I think you probably have to give kudos to what KU has done. This is probably one of their best seasons in a long time, and I think this is the first year for the head coach. So a lot of a lot of things going well for the Jayhawks, apart from uh, for the last women's basketball game against a probably one of the national title contenders of all teams in Iowa State. So uh, this conference is this conference is really good with the amount of talent that they, that's in each team's uh, roster. I mean, there's. A lot of teams are going to make a lot of noises, and K-State should most certainly be a part of that conversation as well. Yeah, I mean, I think so. Another thing to note, I mean, that was the loss against Texas was only our second loss at home. We're we're thirteen and one coming, fourteen and one coming into this game at home. We played really well in Bramlage away. It was kind of it was kind of a tough challenge, I mean, <laughs> which makes it even harder for this game at you know at Oklahoma. We saw how we did against Iowa State on the road, another you know you mentioned national championship contender. So I mean, I guess I'll defer to you guys, Ace and Connor. What do you think we need to do to try and pull off the upset? Um, bring Trick ourselves that we're yeah. involved. Bring the offensive <laughs> playbook on the road. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there you go. This team, for whatever reason, I mean, up until recently, especially the offense on the road and the and the offense at home have just been complete night and day although granted some of that road offense has started to creep into the home offense it seems like which it's weird that you have to differentiate so much but <laughs> it truly is uh the difference with this team um because on the road they just have not been able to perform against not even like just great teams but even like mediocre teams i mean they're losing on the road to teams by a lot like to a team yeah. that they, they beat at home. I mean, granted, I know against Baylor, you know, Serena Sundell gets hurt. Uh, yeah. At least benched most of the second half just because of the deficit. But I mean, losing by forty-five on the yeah. road to a team you beat at home, I mean, it's incredible. And, I mean, it, yeah. it's just been one of those jackal and hide situations, is what I like to compare to mostly. But I mean, you're looking at some of these teams that K-State's lost to on the road, sixty-four to forty-five against Texas Tech. Uh, Losing losing to Texas by no means is not bad, but sixty six to forty eight that's just not not a good way to look at him. And of course you got the Baylor, KU, and the Texas. Oh wait, and the uh, oh what else? Iowa State results just yeah. going your way. So just been a lot of road struggles as of late, which kind of leads to what I was thinking in terms of the NCAA tournament conversation. Is this team able to perform well 
when tournament play happens, if K-State do, does end up playing uh, against one of the top 16 teams, uh, that's going to be seeded and hosting. Yeah, I mean, I guess you just hope you get as close as possible and get to Wichita somehow. But yeah, I mean, it's really going to have to, you're going to have to flip a switch and somehow, you know, play better away from Bramlage. That's, I mean, it's just, you know, the cut and dry, that has to be it. And I mean, I don't know if it's a maturity thing. You know, this team is obviously very young. You know, Aoka's a junior. You know, our three best guards are all freshmen. So I don't know if it's that. It's just playing on the road. Is I don't know. It, it's, I don't know. It's, just, it's, you're not in the locker room. So it's really hard to explain, honestly. It's, it's yeah. just so weird, especially the way you lose and such. Like, it just looks totally different. And these games are not even close. Yeah. It, we've been trying to figure it out all year. We have no idea what it is. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. No one I mean, does. I mean, the only people that know are in the locker room. Yeah. And they're not exactly going to share why they're struggling on the road. So it's going to be a mystery for a while. I think the best guess is probably just a lack of maturity. I think you hit the nail yeah. on the head with that. Uh, just, when you have a point guard and two shooting guards that are freshmen and don't have a ton of experience playing away from home, uh, you would hope that that experience against NC State and South Carolina early in the year would help, but it really is not carried over to Big 12 play. That and also we do not have a deep team at all. We Right now we basically yeah. have five, maybe six players that are truly making an impact. Uh, I guess you could say seven if you want to include uh, Simone Goodrich and Lore Mackey. But past that, Taylor Lauterbach hasn't developed the way we've hoped. Rebecca Dollinger has been the shooter that we hoped. And then, like, half of the team is injured right now. Yeah. Like, Heavenly Greer's caught up in with uh, the NCAA for whatever reason. You know, Ranky's hurt. Uh, Malene Lind-Peterson, the freshman guard, is hurt. This is a team that has a lot of missing pieces and has a lot of pieces coming in next year. Next year, I think, it's going to be the team that's going to be really exciting. Yeah. Yep. So. All right, I'm I'm with you there. A lot of a lot of talent coming back. A lot of talent coming in as well. Four four great recruits Mitty's gotten uh, to K State. Just a lot. Just a lot of upside for this team in, here in the near future. Yeah, I mean they finished the season at uh, Oklahoma, and then uh, they have senior night against West Virginia at home. That should be a pretty solid win, you'd think, at home against a team like West Virginia. One would hope. I mean, you, you would, would hope. hope. I mean, this is the perfect combination. Team like West Virginia, you're at home, and then you finish it at TCU. You hope you can pick up two wins there. You know, pick up TCU on the road, get two solid wins. Would be ten and eight, which is pretty solid. You're probably like a five seed or something. Maybe win a game. You know, get a decent seed in the tournament. Yeah. I mean, uh, you guys got any final thoughts before we get out of here? Um, Ace, what, what you got? And don't mind her. <laughs> <laughs> what's your guys's? What's your guys's uh, catchphrase in terms of signing out? What it's it? But when it's oh yeah, sign, I got I got here from. Well, you that's guys. the begin. Is that the beginning tagline? You- it's, it's both. Okay. Thank you all for listening to the Shake and Blake Show, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're all here <laughs> oh, to okay. to you, the Kansas State Sporting News. So Boom! There you go. I mean, you couldn't have done better. And we're out of here. I mean, thank you so much for listening to the show with uh, Blake Crawford, John Grove, and these Aggieville Alley Cats. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. Those links will be in the description if you're listening online. And uh, me and John will do a Sunday and a Thursday edition podcast. You guys are still doing every Friday. Yeah. Yep. Obviously. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. And uh, Cats by ninety. Cats by ninety.